Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Inside Lowell, another Inside Lowell podcast, where today we are going to take you inside the Greater Lowell Community Foundation, one of the most important organizations here in Lowell and the Greater Lowell area, which you may or may not know a lot about. By the time you're done with this podcast, you'll know all about them, and you'll be amazed at some of the work they do out there in our greater Lowell community and right here inside of Lowell. Before we introduce you to the CEO and president of the Greater Lowell Community Foundation, I just want to take a minute to thank first all of you for joining us on this podcast. I want to also thank our sponsors for making this podcast, all of our podcasts, and all of Inside Lowell possible. Of course, our friends at Washington Savings Bank. I got a coffee mug when I opened my account. I'm kind of a big deal in case you didn't know. I don't know if you're going to get one. Tell them you know me. Maybe you will. I'm just kidding. What you're going to get at Washington Savings Bank is some amazing service. You're going to get an institution that's been in operation for well over a century. They know their community. They know Lowell and they know Drake. They know Lowell and Drake so well, they've got a special offer for Lowell and Drake residents. You open up a new account at Washington Savings Bank, and if within 30 days you get $1,000 directly deposited into that account, qualified direct deposits, could be a, a paychecks, could be social security checks, $1,000 into that account, they give you 300, 30% return on your money. Beat that offer, you can't, and you can't beat their service. WashingtonSavings.com to learn more. That's WashingtonSavingsBank.com to learn more. I want to also thank our friends at Hafners. You see the logo behind me. If you go to InsideLowell.com right now, you'll see our poll question involving what is Lowell's most iconic sign. Naturally, that kicking donkey sign is one of your two choices. Go out there and participate. But most importantly, go to Hafners.com. Learn all about their services. It's not just a home heating company. They offer all sorts of summer services as well. Propane heating for swimming pools, for cooking, even for putting out those pretty little warmers and flames that you get outside on your deck or in your backyard. They can do it all. Hafners.com to learn more or call 866-IT-KICKS. Thank you as well to our friends at Reverie 73. A lot of folks, cannabis is still kind of a new industry here in the Bay State, in the greater Lowell area, and a lot of folks are confused about what differentiates one cannabis shop from another. That's not the case. You'll know immediately that you've stepped into Reverie 73. You'll know it from outside when you see the shop. You walk inside. It's bright. It's warm. It's welcoming. The staff is skilled. The staff is knowledgeable. And they will elevate your cannabis experience so much so that they were recently voted the number four cannabis shop in all of Massachusetts by none other than Boston.com. Calm, impressive because they're the only one of the top four shops that has just one location right now. All the others have multiple locations. They're working on more, don't worry. But right now, shop them at 1148 Bridge Street in Lowell or go online to reverie73.com. I'd also like to welcome a couple of new sponsors over the last couple of weeks, our friends at Action King Services. We welcome back Frank Preventure Insurance, Lowell Philharmonic Orchestra. And just yesterday, we'd like to welcome the Worthen. Lowell's most historic spot in terms of dining and drinking. Check them out. The Worthen will tell you a lot more about them in the coming days and weeks and months here on Inside Lowell. But thank you 
to all of our sponsors for helping make Inside Lowell possible. And with that, I can finally turn my attention to my guest who's been patiently waiting here. A man who knows a thing or two about giving out money, by the way, in the community. Just a bit. <laughs> Jay Linehan, the president and CEO of the Greater Lowell Community Foundation. Hello, Jay. How are you? I'm doing well, Teddy. Thanks for taking the time to have me come on. It's a pleasure. Oop, I hit the wrong button there. There we go. Now we can see we Jay go. Linehan. See what? User error. Awful. Uh, welcome. <laughs> Officially now, Jay. Good to have you here. We've done a number of uh, radio interviews in the past in my previous career, and I get a hunch most people by this point have an idea of what the Greater Lowell Community Foundation is. They may not know some of the details we're going to give them today. Mm -hmm. But for those who are kind of hearing about you for the first time, what the Greater Lowell Community Foundation, the GLCF, is all about, tell us a little bit about your organization and what your mission is here in the Middle City. Well, the mission, quite simply, is to improve the quality of life to people that live, work, and play in the area that we serve, which is Lowell and 20 surrounding communities. And it's a public uh, charity. The Greater Lowell Community Foundation is all about community. We've got some 500 different funds with 500 plus different individuals who have decided that they want to direct their philanthropy through the Greater Lowell Community Foundation. Many folks are familiar with like a Fidelity or a Vanguard and there's donor advice funds, and we have those, but we're grassroots donor advice funds. If you wanna know where your money should go to make an impact and you've got a Fidelity or a Vanguard account, there's nobody on the phone you can call and say, by the way, what's this nonprofit that does this type of work that I'd like to invest in? We can do that. We are grassroots philanthropy in the city of Lowell. So we curate that for a whole bunch of folks Uh, with regard to donor advised funds, scholarship funds, which I want to talk a little bit about more later, about an event that we had two weeks ago with respect to that. And then certain agencies, uh, nonprofit agencies, use the Greater Lowell Community Foundation as the vehicle for where they do their investing. And so we we curate and we uh, manage their investments for them. Above and beyond that, um, we have our own discretionary funds, the Mm -hmm. Community Foundation that's accrued those over years. And... We allocate those out throughout the course of the year in some discretionary grant programs. And then heck, you know, since COVID, I mean, I know we're rolling out of COVID, but it's not over. Uh, There are still lots of needs that are in our community. From 2020, as this all started rolling, as we continue to do that, and we'll probably roll through June of 2024, based upon what I'm thinking of and what we've got now, is lots of COVID money back out to our entire community. Uh, during the period of time that we've been doing this, interestingly enough, and if you think about it, it's, you know, you, you go, wow. Uh, the number one need is food insecurity, and that continues to be a need. And the number two need is uh, housing insecurity. And when you stop and think about what goes on in your life, when was the last time you were worrying about where you slept or where you ate? But lots of people in our community sure. do that constantly. Yeah. And so during that period of time, we're in the process of it probably is for uh, the COVID funds probably allocated and curated close to $7 million. Wow. Um, and then above and beyond that, we do what we typically do in the course of a year, which is usually about $2.5 million, which again gets back to the discretionary grants, the scholarships, and allocating money from donor advised funds on behalf of folks that chose the community foundation to be the vehicle to do their philanthropy. And the concept is really kind of brilliant because there's a lot of big national companies or regional companies that they they do philanthropy, they want to do philanthropy, but 
they don't know the communities as well. How could they, right? You're 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 Lowell. You're you're you yourself personally, but also the Greater Lowell Community Foundation. You know the region. You know its needs, and your focus every year or every couple of years changes based on that. I know uh, going back, oh, probably close to seven eight years now, uh, the opioid. Crisis was right. huge, and you were you made that kind of your focus one year. And a number of organizations, we at the Megan House Foundation, were right. very grateful for your support back then. And then it it switched. COVID made everything kind of switch to COVID. But in the aftermath, you've you've taken on mental health. You've started to focus on housing, as you mentioned, and food insecurity. And it's just it, it's just a kind of a smart way because. Who knows better what a community's needs are than a foundation that is specific to that community? Well, yeah, well, I, I think that played itself out specifically during the whole COVID piece. I mean, it was it was interesting. It's one thing as you think about the community foundation. So we got a variety of people who invest through us, and they oftentimes would like some insights as to where their money should go, and that's fine, and we do that. And so they, their money comes in and we help it go out. We got the scholarship, which was a different process. And then it gets back to the discretionary money that you referenced to earlier. When we first started, we did opioids for a couple of years. Then we did civic engagement for a couple of years. And now we've done racial equity. We did that for two years and then had a long discussion as we rolled through the end of 2022. What are we going to do for the next two years? Because we always do it for a two-year cycle. After much discussion with the program committee, which is a subcommittee of the, of the board, we said, you know what? Racial equity for another two years makes a lot of sense. We went back and we did an analysis as to the impact that we made for the two prior years. And we saw a decent amount of um, things that were occurring and impact that it was had by giving folks just a little extra money to go back and take, an take a look and say, how do we inculcate some of the racial equity into the things we do on a regular basis? So it's all about, you know, changing a little bit how we do business, thinking a little bit differently about how we do business and thinking about how we interact with people. And this, we've had some good success with that. So that's been good. But as we, as all of a sudden COVID came in, um, we raised a million and a half or so dollars. The mass COVID fund that Lauren Baker championed gave us a couple million dollars. Through the state, we got additional millions of dollars. And those dollars all came in, it's like, now you've got a chunk of money. And it wasn't a discretionary process by which people would 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 uh, submit an application, which is part of what we do. And it wasn't a donor advised fund where we get the donor that says, send it here. It's like, here's this money, where do you put it? And how do you make sure that you do it as efficiently and effectively as possible in the entire community we serve? And it got back to your point a moment ago, uh, was we know the community. In addition to, we got 20 indivi 25 individuals on our board that comprise the, the area we serve, but we got five nonprofit individuals on our board too. And mm -hmm. the insights they bring to the discussion, because it's from CTI, Boys and Girls Club, the health center, um, the, these folks, they see it. So when it's like, where do we need this money to go? Who needs it the most? Um, we look at the Lowell Health Alliance, the, the you know, social determinants of health piece that they do. We look at CTI and they do the needs assessment all the time. All of those pieces come together to give you the composite of, 
okay, these are the things that are going on in our community. These are the places that we need to direct the dollars. And we did that across the 21 communities we serve. So you mentioned $7 million just in kind of the COVID right. effort. Now, a lot of money came into all sorts of communities for that. Right. But on a typical year, you know, because that money will eventually right. dry up. Right. Typical year, how much money do you disperse to different groups and organizations? Two and a half, three million dollars. We've got, That's we manage $60 million. And just as a rubric, we spend 5% of the endowed fund every year. So 5% of 60 million, 3 million bucks. And it, it, it fluctuates a little bit. So that's the neck of the woods that we're in. All right. So there was a biggie that we were talking about before we turned the cameras on that I did not know about. And you referenced it uh, a couple of weeks ago. You dispersed $600,000 to Lowell High School. Correct. And that went pretty much to students. Absolutely. The... Back in 98, Lowell High School transferred over to the foundation $75,000. And they were doing, you know, a handful of scholarships. And they said, you know, we want to work with you to build that. Here we go, 25 years later, that fund is $6 million, an endowed fund. And then we got other people that participate in the scholarship program by doing them on an annual basis. We call them pass-throughs. So... Two weeks ago, Tuesday, there were 214 students that applied, and we've got 369 different scholarships that we manage. And from that, we awarded $600,000 to those 214 students in various amounts, and every wow. single student that applied received a grant. Every, every eligible student received That's a amazing. Grant. So it is pretty cool. That is some amazing work there. And you said you, that fund is now, that endowment now sits at $6 million. $6 million. And we've, we've got an effort. COVID sent us a little sideways. We have an effort where we want to raise some money on that. But I think education is, is amazing. One of the pieces in the uh, annual letter, I mean, monthly letters I just did was like, education is the great equalizer. Sure. And it is. And there's discussions as to how that gets implemented, but unquestionably the con content of education opens all sorts of doors. All right. So that was the big splash, 600,000, but it wasn't the only big splash. Uh, you also recently distributed $190,000 to, to various right. organizations. Right. The 190 was part of the discretionary grant we talk about. And one of the key focuses to that was the racial equity. And we did that. And we did a variety of those. And we do children's services. And we also do... Uh, elder services. And these are funds that were established years ago as part of the discretionary where folks apply, nonprofits apply. And out of the dollars that we awarded the 190, we probably had three times, uh, three times that is being requested. We have a voluntary group that comes in, those three different buckets, and they evaluate them, they score them, we meet, we go through them, we have discussion, and that's how the awards are made based upon the money that's mm -hmm. available. So that's a wonderful process. And, and again, I think the thing that's important, it's a, it's a volunteer committee that comes in and awards them. People will say, yeah, go talk to Jay, see what he can do for you. I, I don't score these. <laughs> we work and we do technical assistance, and there's questions that folks may have, but that's a key piece of what we do all year round. And we got a variety of different discretionary grant processes. Women Work in Wonders has a major fund with us. They do lots of great stuff in the community. A couple times a year, they'll do a discretionary process. 
We got on the Shoba Valley Healthcare Program that we run that was a vestige from way back when, when the Shoba Valley was a public hospital and they created a fund and it got divided and went between the, the um, North Central Community Foundation and us. And we're in the middle of doing that. Uh, we do discretionary grant process on the business side, business philanthropy with NetScout, for example. Sure. They just awarded $20,000 on a piece that we do. So those things percolate throughout the course of the year. And, and NetScout is a great example because that's one that I'm familiar with. Because So somebody who might be watching this right now, whether you have a foundation that does philanthropy or a, a company in the area and you're interested in it, uh, but you, you worry, well, I'm going to seed I don't know if I want to cede complete control. They they really don't have to because what NetScout does is basically they use you guys, but you bring in organizations uh, that you get a chance to pitch right. to NetScout, and then they themselves select right. who they would like to you know award the money to. Because I've right. gone through that process, as I mentioned, with the Megan House yeah, Foundation, and they're still there seven years later well, that's the participating at the house because yeah. their workers right. get involved as well. So it's a great opportunity. That's for part, corporations right that's part of well corporate philanthropy if corporate philanthropy doesn't have philanthropy if if, if corporations don't have philanthropy in the strategic plan they are missing something and certainly netscout gets it and you're right it, it included a volunteer component and over the nine years it's happened the folks that participate from netscout in these different grant programs still do they still get engaged and they still go back and they, you know, they they find a connection with what's going on uh, with the nonprofits they serve. Because, you know, a job today is more than nine to five and getting a paycheck, right? It's so much more than that. And companies realize that, uh, you know, hiring and retention of employees is really important. So you add more to it than just the, the scope of the job. It's what are we doing in the community and how do we give back? So somebody watching this, how do they get involved? They think, you know, what, I'd love to have the Greater Little Community Foundation work with us on this. How do they how do they begin the process, Jay? Well, listen, well, first, one of the things I want folks to do is go to our website, uh, and that's www.glcfoundation.org. And there's, I mean, and go through that. There's lots of different ways to contact us. There, we've got a, a website there. We've got email there. We've got phone numbers there. Pick up the phone, call us. I mean, we're easy to get a hold of. We're easy to find. Uh, you just type uh, Google GLCF, it's going to come mm -hmm. up. I guarantee it's going to come up. Um, and, so, and getting involved is, is what we want to be able to do. That's, that's the key of a community foundation is it's grassroots philanthropy in the community and always getting folks to, you know, be, be philanthropic in some way. And philanthropic, of course, is part of that is, you know, giving funds. There's no question. Mm -hmm. But it's also about time and talent. You know, how do you help in different types of ways? It's all about civic engagement. And at the end of the day, that's what philanthropy is all about, is the civic engagement. So you've been doing, you joined the foundation when? In 2016. 2016, but the foundation itself has been doing it for 26 years now because your birthday is coming up tomorrow. tomorrow. We're filming this on June 1st. So June 2nd, you turn 26 years old. Right. I'd love to, I'd love to be turning 26 <laughs> yeah, years yeah, old. <laughs> But uh, around because of that, around this time every year, you do an annual event, an annual we meeting, do, right. and that's coming up on June seventh. It is this year, and you've got a big name guest. Coming, we do, from what on, I understand, on, on June seventh at our annual meeting, uh, which again June seventh at five o'clock at the Inn and Conference Center at the UMass Lowell, we have got Attorney General uh, Andrea Campbell. Uh, her story is amazing. She will speak to her story. 
she's a person that was, you know, grew up in Roxbury, had a very interesting life path. And here she is now the, you know, the 45th attorney general, and she's the first woman of color to be in that space. And she's going to talk about that. And we'd love folks to join us for that evening, to join us that evening. So it's open to the public. Uh, it's, it's open to the public. It is free. Uh, but we would like folks to register, which is, is, is good for us to do. And again, that's at our website of www.glcfoundation.org. Just click on that. You'll be right on the front page. You can go click, boom, easy to do. And then we know you're coming. We can prepare appropriately. It's nice to have a good idea as to how many people are going to come. And we usually get like a hundred and a half or something like that. Last year, of course, we had Duras Kearns Goodwin for our yeah. 25th. And we had more than that. We had a pretty good <laughs> turnout for her. She was amazing. But I think every single year we try to get somebody that can speak to the community uh, in ways that we feel is important. And the title is Equity in the Rule of Law. And I think it's a timely title. Uh, be interesting to, you know, for her to think about how, how do you do that? If you stop and think about what the Attorney General's office does, it really has something to do with virtually just about everything we do in our lives. If you buy a house, they have the ability to, I mean, because they monitor the, the, the consumer. They work for the consumer. They work for civil rights. They work for a variety of things like that. So very few things you do in your life, the attorney general's office does not have some type of impact in way or form as far as how it all goes about it. And we've got a list. It's going to be an interview. I, I will be interviewing her. And we've gone back and forth on a bunch of questions. And I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be exciting. I mean, the very beginning, because it's an annual meeting, we'll do the things we need to do, which is right. we'll approve the financials, we'll reinstate the board. We will take a short period of time to do that because the program will kick off at 6, probably 15, 20 minutes doing the, the business piece. And then we're going to be 45 minutes or so with the Attorney General, which I think is going to be very, very interesting. And, yeah. and um, I think Just, folks will be pleased to listen to her story and to listen to the things that she's interested in as the attorney general. Yeah, very inspirational story, and she is an inspirational speaker as well. So that, again, is next Tuesday, June 7th at the UMass Lowell Inn and Conference Center, 6 p.m., is the, the business stuff. Right. But and if then, you want to get there and socialize a little, 5 o'clock, we're uh -huh. going to start with the social hour. Perfect. That, which, of course, the social hour. Uh, let's not forget the social <laughs> hour. I mean, that's the fun part. It's the part... Obviously, that I think everybody missed so much when COVID hit us. It was, you know, Zoom is now a piece of what we do, and it's not going to go away in some contexts, and that's okay. But I so miss the in-person events, the ability to, you know, chat with people. I was at a low plan meeting this morning, which was great. You get there, you get it there early, and you leave late because you have the ability to interact with people, and that's a lot of what happens in that hour prior to the actual program. And interesting, we go through the program usually pretty quickly. We're usually pretty timely, six to five to six, six to, to seven. And as a result of that, the, the nobody's running out the door at seven o'clock. People hang there as well. And there's, there's a great networking piece that follows that as well. So again, I'm excited about the prospect of celebrating our 26th birthday next mm -hmm. week. Uh, again, it, it happens actually tomorrow, but just really excited about bringing some of the key topics that are relevant to the community we serve 
uh, talking about those and, you know, getting the response and the interaction from a variety of people that we're here to serve. Right. And of course, register if you can for the right. event. So you right. know how many people to expect. GLCfoundation.org is the website. It's also how you can learn more about how to get involved. And I, and I encourage people people to do it you you make some long-standing relationships and if you are uh, if you work with one of the nonprofits in the area or you have a cause you care about it might be smart to reach out to you and and start to make those connections I mean, as well can, we've had communication on all different fronts it's like well what are you what do you do mm. what are what are good nonprofits how, how do I get involved uh, and we do some volunteer piece we do it obviously when I talked about those scholarships that I talked about earlier there's, like I mentioned, there's 369 different scholarship funds, and there's 214 students that apply. Well, it's like the Common App for college. If they're eligible for one, they populate all those. So ultimately, you get several thousand applications. We got tons of volunteers that read those, and they do a spectacular job. Uh, I came into the office one day, when it, and it was a, we had an intern in there, and she was in the back office. She was crying, and I'm like... So I went back and I chatted with one of the staff. I go, what's going on? Oh, she's reading the thank you letters from the, from the students that yeah. got the awards. It's, it's, it's heartwarming to, to do that. And we do the same thing with the grants that I mentioned earlier, discretionary grants. People read them and they learn so much about what's going on in our community. And we can also you know, align volunteers with many things that are going on in, at the different nonprofits that are always looking for us. So we're a resource for philanthropy in our community. And we like to have the resources in our community stay and affect the people that live in our community. That's and you certainly are very successful at that. Jay Linehan, President and CEO of the Greater Lowell Community Foundation. Thank you for the time today. Thank you. Uh, thank you for what you and your folks, your your staff and all your volunteers do for the community. It really does make an impact. Well, I, I, I thank you for that. We're all in this together and together we're stronger. So thank you. Yes, we certainly are. Thank you. And thank all of you for joining us once again here at Inside Lowell. Uh, thank, to, thank you to our sponsors as well, Washington Savings Bank, Hafner's, Reverie 73, all of them. The list is too long to mention right now, but I do want to say thank you to all the new ones who've uh, recently joined us, including our friends at The Worthen, the most recent uh, uh, crew, the most recent local business to join the Inside Track here at Inside Lowell. Until next time, everybody stay safe out there.